Welcome to your sanity safe space with your favorite YouTube podcast duo, or at least one of them. It kind of depends, and probably some rando too. But no complaining, because this is free. Free! This is Beauty and the Beta bonus audio content. I can't start any of these live streams with Amber live because Baring made fun of me now. Apparently, it's like a thing. That's how people start. But I'm here live with uh, Brittany Pettibone. Hello. Hello, everyone. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? It's been a while. I know. It's been like four months. I thought that we should do a little hangout and catch back up and see what projects you've been working on. Um, I saw that you gave a speech in Portland. I just watched your video. Oh, yeah. I actually didn't speak there, but I did go to live stream because I thought it was going to be a pretty big deal since, you know, because of the recent Portland stabbing, Jeremy Christian. Yeah. And it was. It was massive. There were like, we were outnumbered like four or five to one. Really? Surrounded on all sides. It wasn't just Antifa this time. It was a bunch of Portland residents, hundreds of them. And they were just screaming at us the most inane things like we're murderers. And I don't know. It was insane. But um, even Homeland Security was there. There were so many cops. They had to form They really picked up this narrative and ran with it, even though it came out very quickly that this was a Bernie guy who seemed to have a a mental health uh, issue, as far as I could tell. Yeah, that's what a lot of people were saying. It seemed like he wasn't mentally stable. And yes, he was a very adamant Bernie supporter who hated Trump and Clinton, so... I saw a video of him um, at some other rally from, I don't know, a while ago, and he was just ranting and raving like a like a crazy person. I was like, this guy is uh, totally batshit insane, right? So this this whole white supremacy thing, it's just uh, pulled out of nowhere. Like, where did they even get this? Was he actually yelling racial slurs while he was slashing people? I mean, is that even true? I don't know. What I heard actually is that he he confronted these Muslim women because he was against religion. It wasn't a racial issue. He hated all forms of religion. So that is what um, I heard that it was. And so hence he would, you know, go after Muslims, but he would have, you know, gone after any religious person because he hates religion. That's what I heard it was. And then, of course, they try and spin it to be a racial thing or a political thing. And it wasn't. Clearly, he's just off his rocker, to put it lightly. (laughs) Yeah. So this yeah. was like an like an anti-white supremacist event in Portland. Yeah. yeah um. The, it was a free speech rally, but all of the people, you know, like everything you go to, like the whole um, anti-Sharia marches that recently yeah. took place all across the country, that turned into a Trump versus anti-Trump thing too. You know, uh, Antifa versus the Nazis. It, it always comes back to that every time. No matter you could be marching to like feed the homeless, and <laughs> they would oppose it because you are white supremacists or whatever. Well, this anti-Sharia thing. I, I love how they played this out like it was some kind of anti-Muslim, specifically anti-Muslim. Yeah. It's like we're talking specifically about Sharia law. I, they couldn't seem to exactly. So- I'm actually I'm interviewing you know the, the peaceful Imam. You know the, the guy yeah. on Twitter. I'm gonna interview him Wednesday, and I want to objectively sit down and be like because he is still Muslim. He's just for certain reforms within Islam, obviously, because he openly admits it's very violent and there are problems inherent within it. So I'm going to interview him and try and sit him down objectively and say, can you explain what Sharia law is and what you have a contention with regarding Sharia law or just with Islam in general? What are you pushing, you know, advocating for to reform? And then hopefully people can watch that from an actual Muslim's perspective. Right. I've been loving his series of tweets recently. He seems really big. <laughs> he's brutal. Yeah. Yet he's still Muslim. So. Yeah. 
I guess we need we need people to secularize from within. We can't just tell people to abandon their faith. That's not it's not going to work. Oh no, no, and it's a good thing that this is what we want. We want Muslims who are opposed to the violence to speak out against it and to take a stand. That's the point. But I don't see many of them doing that. I think the the one of the problems might be that they're leaving Islam when they when they really when when the reality of all that descends on them. Like I I see Ali. She's like, uh, no, I I can't be Muslim anymore. So who is really staying behind? I mean, I think that if you're a Muslim, in to some degree, you've you've abandoned your moderate position. You just can't you can't really hold it. So it'll be interesting to see what he says in your interview. Yeah, I'm really excited. I, I'm so happy he said yes. So we'll we'll see what comes of that. But yeah, Wednesday. So I'm gonna try and post it Thursday right away because I think it's important right now the discussion it around it. So, um, yeah. But that's something I want to talk to you about. Uh, I had Lauren Southern on the other day and, and I asked her this question, but I have been in such a rut these last few weeks because I'm feeling really, really nihilistic about Western civilization, about <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, all right, Brittany's pretty positive. I'm going to go watch her video. And so I just watched your video before this. And I'm like, oh, no, everything, everything's <laughs> falling know. apart. Um, so I assume you're pretty pessimistic, too, based on, on the video you just released. Yeah, the thing is, I always try to remain optimistic because... It, it's really interesting if if you um when you read um in defense of sanity by gk testerton he has a an essay in there about the optimist and that the the truly courageous and strong people are are optimistic because it takes strength to be optimistic in the most dire of situations and um you know being pessimistic just caters to our weak um you know um nature it's so, so much easier though <laughs> yeah it's so much easier but on the other hand like our um our will and our thoughts they are very powerful they can they have the power to make it successful just mental uh um, being mentally strong so in saying i can do this so that's why i force myself to be positive and as optimistic as i can no matter what even though pragmatically when you do approach it it looks quite dire yes because even the right is extremely divided uh rather than you know, lately, it's maybe it's just me. I've been feeling this of late rather than focus on the the main issues like combating globalism. Isn't this something in common that we all have that we want to see taken down? But it's not. The, the focus isn't solely there anymore. It's more about fighting with one another and drama and tearing each other down on the right because you don't agree with certain things that they advocate for. And I just feel like that isn't that a leftist tendency? <laughs> to to oh I don't agree with you there so I'm going to shut you down and rip you apart. I, I don't just, know maybe it's a human tendency. It is it is but but the right I, just fought it for so long that it just seems strange that they're turning around now certain people and doing that. I'm not going to call it any names because I don't believe in punching to the right unless it's privately. That's totally cool. Like contact someone you have a problem with like privately and 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 try and work it out. But as for publicly, it emboldens the left. It does nothing for us. It just divides us further. And I just. I, I think it's really detrimental, and I hope that it will subside here. But That's it seems true. to only be getting worse. But I'm I'm sympathetic to the nihilists too because yeah. it, it feels you become you you start to feel foolish when you've been optimistic and and you just keep getting knocked down. Yeah. And so I keep having this hope that the left is going to realize you know their position because it seems so clear to me. It's it's so transparent, and mm-hmm. I'm like they've got to have some level of self awareness. This is yeah. going to show them that 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 what they're thinking is absolutely ridiculous. That their behavior is ridic- ridiculous, exactly. and, it, and it just never does. And so I'm kind of like wallowing in this hope because this Comey thing, I was like, he is vindicated. He's absolutely vindicated. Like, they're done. There's no way. And then I look on CNN and every article is like talking about how impeachment is absolutely, you know, inevitable. 
they'll never admit they'll never admit they're wrong or take any kind of responsibility for any lies they may have fomented in the past or fake news that's the thing and it's even with you know the manchester attack we thought that would wake people up but the first thing you see being tweeted by by these people defending it are oh i feel I am, you know, even worse is I feel bad for the Muslims that are going to take heat because of this. I know it's so crazy. And you were just recently in Europe too. I was this winter and like, I left feeling more hopeless than when I got there because I realized that these people don't have the will to save their own culture and their own people. And if they don't have the will, then how, how has it become my personal responsibility? Mm -hmm. You can't have the will for them. I can't have the will for them. And it's so frustrating to me because it's these beautiful cultures, like my ancestral homelands that are just being totally forsaken. They're just giving this away and they, they are acting like they're such good people. And so I actually left Europe furious. I was just, I was furious. Yeah. Did you get that same sentiment? It was quite disheartening visiting Paris. I visited Paris in 2013 and Uh it was like a totally different city. Uh, just the whole aura of the city and like like the difference is the best way I can describe it is I would not walk alone even during the daytime in Paris by myself now but I did it in 2013 I flew there alone stayed the night alone um, and then later I was with um, some other people but I was there alone and I felt fine it's it's completely different the atmosphere and people are just blind to it Uh, and even a lot of like we were in one nice area I guess you'd call it like a no-go zone but it it was a nice area. It was just a lot of the buildings were vandalized and there was graffiti everywhere, but then it was completely um, populated by migrants. And so a lot of people didn't go there anymore, like like uh, the um, normal, like average French. And I heard that the police presence is just overwhelming now. I was there yeah. in 2015. It was right at the onset of the migrant crisis. And I had been there, um, I don't know, many years, many years prior. And mm-hmm. I was totally shocked like at that time i was looking around and i'm like like 30 percent of these people are muslim i mean it was it was totally mind-blowing mm-hmm. i couldn't believe the demographic change and then um i saw a video the other day from what looked like the center of paris and every person that was walking by was like a north african muslim yeah it like, it to be the center of western civilization how how did this happen and the french they're they're a prideful people like if you if you approach them in english like they'll get mad, <laughs> you know, they're like approach me in French. Yeah, that's how it was when I went. <laughs> yeah, and many of them don't even learn English. Like when I was there, I had to learn French and the family I was staying with, half of them didn't speak English. So it was like, if, if I didn't learn French, I couldn't converse. And I love that. It, it, it motivates you to learn and take in their culture. And that's right. what I did. And so by the time I left, I was pretty much fluent in French and it was amazing. But um, that should be the price of immigration, assimilation, and not living on welfare, uh, you know, actually being a contributor to that society. Right. Which brings up an important question. Um, You know, are there cultures and societies that you can't assimilate into Western society? (laughs) I think, yes. They, they, so they, they're just and not compatible. And though. that is the, that's the question that, that most, you know, they just won't admit. And right. that's the problem. That's where we disagree. But I mean, it's at this point where a terror attack happens and, you know, over 20 people are killed and yet we're just still fighting. We can't agree that this is a horrible thing and something needs to be done. Steps right. need to be taken to ensure this does not happen again. But, well, I found out when I was in Germany that, um, you know, there's not a lot of religious protection per se. You can make a religion illegal. It's actually illegal to be a Scientologist there. And so I was thinking, like, why can they not just outlaw (laughs) Islam? Like, no mosques, take every mosque to the ground. Why why can they not do this? I think they would if they 
if they had the perception that Islam as a whole was not compatible and then it shouldn't be there, but they don't have that. They say some is some, you know, Muslims are terrorists and only some um, are a problem. So that, that's why they're acting that way. And they say, you know, oh, you just have to get used to it. Terrorism is, you know, going to be a part of everyday life it, living in a big city, like the, the London mayor said. I just so, have a hard time believing that your average person, your average person cares more about um, appearing benevolent than about children getting ripped apart in the street by, by a truck. I just don't believe that. And I just keep wondering, you know, I made that video, what is it going to take for Europeans to push back? That was, that was yeah. four months ago before several of these terrorist attacks had happened. And I mm -hmm. still wonder, like, I can't put a number on it. I can't put a situation on it. I think that it is going to be an astronomical loss of life uh, that is required to wake Europeans up. Yeah. Um, I mean, I... I don't really see it. I agree. Way. And I mean, it's gotten to the point where you see articles coming out like in the UK where they're monitoring Facebook posts. And if you post something that offends Muslims or is somehow critical of Islam, you can be arrested. So I think a lot of people may be thinking what we're thinking, but are not speaking out because they're afraid. They don't want to face prison, um, you know, being arrested, prison, their reputations being ruined, their social statuses being compromised, all those kinds of things, maybe losing their jobs because and so yeah it's fear right now they're in complete submission because of fear and it's a really sad thing it is really sad it's, it's a it's a broken people and um you know there isn't anything that you can do to make them want to change um yeah. and and the french this really bothers me because i feel like as a tourist really the whole time they, they were approaching me like i i needed to assimilate as a tourist to some degree but the same standards are not applied to any migrants to any immigrants um and i don't know just getting inside the psyche of the western european at, at this at this point in time it's, it's really difficult really difficult mm -hmm. Um, that's something else I wanted to ask you, like as an average citizen, uh, I watched a Stefan Molyneux video and it was talking about how in everyday discourse we can influence things on, on a small level and we all have a job to do. And so what do you think the average person can do to try to save Western civilization um, in their daily lives? I think it's one thing, it's very important. Ensure a good education for your kids is very important don't let them go to a place where they're going to be completely brainwashed and it's either you know you believe in communism and accept this or you're going to fail you know like try to get them in a good education right. because a foundation is the most important thing a, a good strong foundation because if you don't have that and if you're not also confident in your arguments that's also um you know you're not, you're not going to be able to go up to people who you disagree with and prove them wrong using facts and logic so that would be another thing but then also just for those who can afford it, I know some people still are afraid of losing their jobs uh, for speaking out, and that's perfectly understandable. But for those who have nothing more than maybe like a reputation on the line or losing friends, it really is worth it to speak out. You're going to gain a million more friends. That's and, what I always tell people. It's like all these yeah. doors closed, but then 10 times as many opened, and I had a new mm -hmm. social group that was more supportive that I could be honest with, and that yeah. was really liberating just to be able to talk about freely about about the things that you feel and, and your belief system with your peers like that really really made a difference mm -hmm. in my life there's nothing more liberating like you you might it's not worth it like maybe you know being held in regard in you know the social eye or actually having friends who care about you and who think despite where you may disagree slightly there it's just so much more worth it and like like it's i can say it because i've experienced it i've gone through it i was in the writing industry for about 10 years i could never speak one word about my political views it was very 
uh, claustrophobic and just stifling to me. And when I came out, it was very liberating. Sure, there are a lot of trials that come along with it, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, yeah, lots but, of ups and downs in this. Yeah, show. oh sure. But they, I, they, I love it. I mean, your average person can really have a voice and build yeah. influence. Um, and and that should be um really build optimism in the general public. Like you can just take what you're seeing on a daily basis in your city, your town, and you can tell the world about it. Uh, YouTube has really changed the landscape of media. Yep, absolutely. And they have that saying, you know, if you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for everything. Or if you don't have enemies, there's a problem. You're probably not standing for anything because you're disagreeing with everyone or laying down, you know, being a doormat. So you can look at it that way too. It's no matter what you believe, if you're on whatever political um, position you occupy, people are going to disagree with you and hate you either way. <laughs> so, and that's true of, you know, if you have any anything. position, yeah. yeah. I think people just need to get over being hated. It's not so bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think a lot of people place way more, fear on it than there actually is like, yeah. like it, it's not you get desensitized really quickly you'd be surprised like even the most sensitive person I think yeah it could hurt at first more for certain people than others but you definitely get desensitized and it just doesn't matter um, and then you can stand up to an increasing amount of criticism which I've yeah. noticed and that's been really helpful on my channel like mm -hmm. initially I'd read comments and I'd be like oh my god this is the worst thing I've ever read now I'm <laughs> yeah like, yeah I, I don't really care anymore yeah and you're never alone though there are so many people on the right you know that are just lovely that are willing to support you and help you out and, and encourage you so there's there's that too you're never going to be alone that's another thing. Like, I think mm -hmm. people are expecting um, like a slew of negativity and that's really not, you know, the most things that we hear are really positive and really encouraging and really helpful. So mm -hmm. I encourage people to start their own channel. It's, it's not competition. You can be as subscribed to as many people as you want to. And so the more voices that are out there, some of these issues we just need eyeballs on. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many people willing to do collaborations, interview you, have you on hangouts, those kinds of things. Uh, especially right. if you go to events where a lot of people meet up in real life and then actually meet people and kind of for, um, form, you know, relationships and things. And then you can really easily utilize that network to expand your channel and, and get you, your opinions and your voice out there. And the networking happens really fast because mm -hmm. everybody kind of hears, you know, the videos get shared really quickly. Everybody hears about each other. They see them pop up on Twitter and everything get retweeted. Yeah. Um, and so it's actually, if you're producing content on a regular basis, it's actually relatively easy to get brought into these folds and to build a network really quickly. People are really mm -hmm. eager to talk and to build relationships with you mm -hmm. um, because we used to be the minority as far as viewpoints are concerned. Yeah. It, it's wonderful to see so many people popping up. It's amazing. Like there are so many people I can just search and be like, oh, I want to interview this person. Whereas like, I don't know, maybe I just didn't know about them, but less than a year ago, there wasn't even half this many. Right. And it seems like there are a lot of more yo younger women making YouTube channels too. Yeah. And I feel like people are flipping. Like this Lacey Green thing was more meaningful to me than it was to other people because I was like, you know, people like like Lacey, feminists, are really looking at their lives and looking at what feminism has done to them personally, has mm -hmm. done to their personalities, their behavior. Um, and and they're recognizing it and they're changing behavior and acting accordingly. And so that, that's that been really helpful for me. I'm, I'm really hopeful. Yeah. I think it shows really strong character on her part that she has that self-awareness and that, yeah. that she's able to actually reflect within and be like, okay, I might've been wrong here or I'm gonna, because some people just never grow because their minds aren't open. So that's something that I really respect her for despite where we may disagree still. 
But, but I um, still think that most leftists are just going to um, double down generally. That seems yeah. to be what they're doing. And I know she, I was reading her Twitter the other day and she's getting attacked by a lot of feminists. Yeah, her family got doxxed and- Oh, really? Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, by, by feminists. It's like, because you're not playing on the same team anymore. You gotta- Yeah, it's crazy. These tactics are so juvenile and really damaging. I mean, what if like people show up to her parents' house? They didn't ask for this. I know. Yeah. I, they do that to Tim Poole too. He oh, really? To, oh, well, he tries to remain nonpartisan, like as objective as he can in order to report on both, you know, all political, um, the whole political spectrum. And just because he hangs out with Trump supporters, for, exa- for example, he gets called an alt-right journalist or attacked by Antifa, et cetera. So I just think that's really sad that we've, we've reached this point where you can't hang out with someone and be friends with someone without being guilty by association and somehow endorsing all of their political views. The same happens with me. Oh, yeah, um, totally. Do you yeah. get shit for going on Red Ice? That oh, yeah. My Wikipedia time. page is an absolute disaster. I was going to ask you about that. I just checked it out. Um, yeah, no, I'm actually, I'm con- I'm in contact with a lawyer right now. I'm going to, I'm going to do. Well, for the audience, it says on. that she's like an alt-right white supremacist. It's really It says, it says and, and all of this stuff in it, they basically, all of the articles they use to cite are just articles that have called me things based on nothing, based on no evidence. Like they're not actually using direct quotes. That's and so then, crazy because I don't yeah. know if I've ever really heard you um, like directly address racial issues in the same way that I've mm-hmm. heard like Lana or yeah. Tara McCarthy. Um, well, so I never have and here's why. Yeah, and he, he, I never have and here's why. Growing up, I have never been – I was never taught or raised the way to um, – to kind of uh, discern who a person was based on identity, you know, racial identity or cultural identity, even it was always, well, it was, it was culture or what they believed. That's just what I was taught. That's how I've always judged people by their character, the contents of their character, their culture. So this is all so new identity politics. I don't even, I don't even know how to digest or swallow it. Like, it's just so much coming at me so fast. And so many people like, what's your opinion on this? And it's like, well, I don't know. I haven't done enough research. The thing is what I say now is I have an open mind. For, for all sorts of things and I'm willing to learn and take in information and make decisions based off that. But I cannot make all of these decisions. You know, someone like Lauren Southern, who's been, who's been um, in this far longer and is way more educated on many different topics. I'm just not when it comes to identity politics. I've, it's so new and it was just thrown at me and I really haven't done that much study. So I don't know. The only thing I identify is, is an American nationalist. So that's what I say. Because... Um, I, I, I just don't know enough yet to take on any other labels. And I also don't like how they stereotype you. So that's what I say. But then on the other hand, on my show, I'm willing to talk to anyone. I've had alt-right people on my show. I've had alt-right people on my show. I've had libertarians on my show. I'm open to having leftists on my show. The thing is, whenever I have an alt-right person, it's like they use that against me to say, oh, she's a white supremacist or whatever, all this other crap. Even though those certain alt-right people I may have had on aren't even white supremacists themselves. But it's kind of like this guilty by association thing that they're they're – using and it's hurting a lot of things um not i mean normally i wouldn't care but like for example put it in this context i am a writer and i write with my twin sister who is not involved in any of this but having those things written about me is going to affect her to her ability to create a living and have a career based on writing and that really bothers me it really does because she didn't ask for any of this 
And so it infuriates me when I see that and to think that this is going to, some of these things are going to trickle down and, and affect her in a negative way. So yes, I'm in contact with lawyers. Now, normally I just ignored it because I really don't care what people say, but it's getting to the point where I think they know, oh, she's not going to contest anything. So we're just going to write whatever the hell we want. Just make it up, pull it out of thin air and write it about her. So it's gotten to the point now where I am going to take legal action on all these people unless they I did get out. a little notice when I went to it today that said this article is being reviewed for neutrality. Yeah, because well, what Tim Poole did is he was looking at this and he actually made a video about it today. What he did is he, he interviewed me when I was in Paris and we went through a lot of things I believe and they are in stark contrast, to, they're in stark conflict with what was written on that Wikipedia page, but they're saying you're not a legitimate source, Tim. You, we're going to actually take this source, this article here that actually doesn't even contain Britney's name in it, but it's more reliable. And so he got really mad. Like, how am I not reliable? I worked for Vice. I worked for Fusing, et cetera. So he is made a video about that because he's like, okay, I, I normally like Wikipedia, but they're saying like they're very biased now and they have, you know, their editors on there because they've locked the page. No one can edit it. So they've locked the page and they are these like real people who really hate me are the only ones editing it and just making up crap. And now I'm getting like emails, like threats, you know, like we're going to come to your house and we're going to come after your family and all that shit. It doesn't really bother me because I live in Idaho now. It's an open carry state. You don't even need a license. So go ahead, give it a try. Um, but a lot of people, like my other address was doxxed and, you know, I get, I would get emails and still do about people coming after me, which I really don't care about. It's so the least of my worries. So where do you think this is coming but, from? Is this people that are like pissed off from your tweets or from your public appearances or your YouTube videos, mm -hmm. which don't, they're, they're not super controversial. Um, I just, yeah, it's well, I you're think it's, hate. yeah, I don't, I don't know why they, why they come after me so much. Like normally, like I said, it doesn't bother me, but I think the fact that I'm not fighting against them, I don't want to make a big public deal about it in this huge PR storm and tweet about it. I want to do it behind the scenes. And that's what I'm going to do with lawyers and try and get it all taken care of. I don't want to be like tweeting about it and making videos about it. I want to keep it. Yeah. As calm as possible. But the thing is, I don't know why they're attacking me. It's been from the beginning. I've noticed like, why do you even take the time to write articles about me? Why do you care? Like is we it want individuals or is it a group, a coordinator? group do you know I don't know I don't know but Antifa would write articles about me the really false articles that poll would send me and then they'd like target me like punch a Nazi and Lauren Southern too which is kind of hypocritical because they were getting all mad when moldy locks got punched and yet they were right you know advocating for us to get punched so whatever but um I don't know why and yeah it's just it's gotten to the point right now where I should probably deal with it because it's just, it's only going to get worse from here. And then there's probably going to come a point where I can't, you know, fight it because it's just turned into too big of a monster. So I want to try and just get that taken care of. I don't um, know if that's true because of people, they've, they've lost reliability in, in media sources. Like I'm not going to go to Wikipedia to find mm -hmm. solid information about really anything. I mean, yeah, a lot of people do though. And even people on the right, like there were people on the right that actually believed some of this stuff that, that like talked to me in private and I'm like, ha ha ha. No, I have to be like, no, that's not true. But a lot of people believe that's it. So I, so I figure, so I figure that uh, I'll just, you know, go after it because it's not true. And look, I, for the most part, I, I really don't care what, cause I do, I do have a lot of alt-right friends and I'm going to continue having alt-right people on my channel because I believe in freedom of speech and that's how it goes. Even if I disagree with someone's viewpoint, the point is right. not to have an echo chamber. But I think a lot of people are very angry that I host a show with Tara McCarthy because her views are obviously more, um, she's a lot more far right than I am. 
Um, and I've stated like, yeah, Tara and I are super good friends and we agree on a lot of things and we disagree on a lot of things. But the point is we don't want to be just car you know, cardboard cutouts of one another where we're just the same host. We want to have different opinions and yeah. be able and to that's the way it should be. Things. My podcast co-host is left of center, although if he's listening, that would probably piss him off. But I mean, for <laughs> the most part, you know, he's he's a he's a centrist and he gets so much flack um because I'm further right. It's like what they, they, what they really want yeah. is uh, no intellectual diversity. Exactly. <laughs> the great exactly. Irony. They don't care about diversity. Uh, mm -hmm. They just want superficial diversity, like diversity of of skin color. It's it's cute, you know, um, and diversity yeah. of food, things like that. But as far as ideas are concerned, they they really don't want that. They want everybody to believe the same thing. Yeah. Um, and that was leading into another question I wanted to ask you. Um, we talked about this a little bit on on Virtue of the West, but I went to Mizzou, and you know, I oh, you did. Yeah, I got yeah, a, I got a pretty, oh, I remember pretty good that. indoctrination. It wasn't <laughs> it wasn't horrible. I think it's gotten a lot worse in the last you know two or three years, um, but I'm gonna give my children you know very different advice about college than I was given because um, I want them to come out of college with a skill. And what what I'm seeing now is people leave academia be, being you know they have a victim complex, they haven't developed a skill set, they come out worse than they went in. And so, you know, I'm going to tell my kid, like, if you want to go to trade school, but like none of this liberal arts shit. So yeah. what advice would you give to college age students right now? Um, I mean, I think to some degree, uh, a degree is not as essential as it used to be. I yeah. think that oh, that's exactly what I was going to say. Well, if you, you know, want to be a lawyer or something, it's usually essential that you attend college, something right. like for a deliberate uh, degree. But on the other hand, if not, a lot of people are encouraging, and I kind of agree, actually, I do strongly agree with a trade school, mm -hmm. to get a trade and then go out and directly um, do that trade because, yeah, college, it's like brainwashing nowadays for the most part. And if you are intelligent, then you just have to keep your head, like, not intelligent, but if you are, like, against what they are you just um, have to push through and, get your and you have to put your head down, not say anything. I mean, I guess you could try and it could be really useful to debate the professors, but then again, they might give you like a bad mark, you know, a bad grade if you do so. Right. Because right. it's kind of like my way or the highway. So I don't know. But um, yeah, trade, I think a, a lot of people have been saying, I've been hearing lately, even like people I know in my family and my parents are encouraging people to um, adopt some kind of trade because it's going to be really useful. And I, I would have to agree there. Yeah. And with the sharing economy, I just don't think that people care as much about degrees as, as, as they did in previous generations. Um, I mean, yeah. we have YouTube channels and we make money from them. Nobody's ever asked me what my credentials are. So yeah, well, I've seen yeah, a surge in like entrepreneurial things. Uh, whether it be yeah, someone starting a YouTube channel or their own kind of business here and there. I s I've seen that a lot more. Maybe it's just my social circle, but it seems to be something No, it's on the definitely rise. true. So why would I go to college and come out in, you know, fifty to hundred and fifty thousand dollars of debt? Come yeah, exactly. Dumber, less employable and with a shitload of debt. Why would anybody mm -hmm. do that? This is unsustainable. And so I, I've been saying this for like years, but I yeah. do think the problem's probably gonna take care of itself. I think that the higher education bubble is going to burst, but I, I just so. keep waiting. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. All right, isn't it time? Isn't this going to happen? Yeah. I don't know, but it's definitely not what it was. No, nope. Um, I don't know. At this point, I'm like, is academia really what we should be targeting? I mean, I think it is probably the most useful tool to the left at this point. But I think your average person can see like what happened at Mizzou, um, that it's no longer an institution of learning. They, they've dropped, enrollments dropped by 35% this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's telling. 
I mean, as far as the culture war is concerned, I think that's it's twofold. The the areas first, education, education reform, and then second is fighting through the arts, every medium of art, you know, that's television, true. books, because that's what they use. So, like the entertainment industry is the biggest thing and it's the most influential. And everyone, you know, watches television, reads books, um, just even down to modern art music, like all these industries are massive and they're definitely responsible for shifting the culture one way or the other. Um, they put their propaganda in it. So there's not a lot that is in favor of more right-wing politics. And that's the problem. It's all the other side, everything that we oppose. So, but I do feel like I'm seeing kind of shifts in popular culture as well. Like, Yeah, yeah, definitely. I tweeted about this Katy Perry live stream and everybody's like, why are you watching it? And <laughs> I only watched like 20 or 30 minutes of it. But she is just having a meltdown, like the most public mental health breakdown since Britney Spears. And oh, nobody's really? really paying attention because she has this uh, feminist activist uh, guise that, that she's using to cover this complete personal personal breakdown. And then we saw the same thing happen to Miley Cyrus. And then she got all traditional. Now she's engaged. And like, I saw her wearing like an adorable, appropriate length dress the other day. I was like, what is going on? I'm like, maybe culture is shifting. People are seeing in popular culture that feminism um, is a detriment to women's mental health and, and it's not helping their lives at all or their careers. Mm -hmm. And they're changing that this is like a real cultural shift, or maybe it's just two people. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, no, I think it's starting. Uh, it's starting, it's nowhere near what we're going to need. I think it's going to take many years, but Generation Z is definitely, it's looking, things are it's looking exciting. up. Yeah. yeah. I read that they're the most conservative generation since, um, is it the greatest generation? Is that what our grandparents were? I'm not entirely sure, but it's- Yeah, it's but in a long time. And when you have things happen, like what would happen to PewDiePie, who has the most subscribers on all of YouTube, I, know. I do they not, think? like, what did the mainstream media think, like, going against him? It's like an ant, well, I think what they you know, shaking its fist at a human. Yeah, I mean, it was so crazy. <laughs> they thought that they were going to turn on PewDiePie and that his 55 million or whatever subscribers would be yeah. like, oh, I guess we hate PewDiePie now. But instead, everybody's like, oh, fuck the Wall Street Journal and I hope all yeah. these old guys die. It's like, well, what do you expect was going to happen? Media is, they are so brazen with this, with these hate I, I think they just, they, they have no self-awareness about how many people hate them. Yeah, I mean, they have to know all the look at BuzzFeed um and their YouTube videos like the downvotes. They are getting Yeah, tangible. they don't double they double down though. I feel like the the mainstream media is doubling down even though they know they're being they're hated, but that's what they do. So, I mean, the average age of a Fox viewer is 68 and uh it's 61 for CNN, it's around that for all the major I mean, th what they have to bring in new blood or all these major networks are just going to die out and alternative mm -hmm. media is already poised to take their place and they already mm -hmm. are. I mean, Philip DeFranco, yeah. his views, it oh runs my gosh. like Fox. Mm -hmm. And he's one man, just one man. Yeah. And people love him because he presents himself more objectively. Right, like and he's relatable, say, and it's down to feminist, earth. Yeah, like this feminism thing is crazy here. Yeah. Or, you know, that, like he'll actually call it out. He won't just defend everything blindly. And yeah, so and I, think I, I watch him people, a lot. I think he's so great. I, I like him a lot, and I think he's um, he's a centrist, and I think he's really unbiased. Um, but I think that's something that young people are also responding to is that we're doing this from our homes. Like, you know, mm -hmm. you're filming in your bedroom. I'm in a bedroom yeah. right now. It's like that's relatable, The you know, being on the Internet, being in your own home, and, that, and just talking into a camera. That's really mm -hmm. relatable to people. And so alternative media, I just don't really see a way where legacy media wins out on this.
Yeah, definitely. And I think in regards to people like Philip DeFranco or, you know, Lacey Green, who's re-examining certain perceptions or Tim Pool, people who don't really identify, they don't at all identify with the right, but are willing to um, treat us objectively and in for as far as Philip DeFranco and Tim Pool are report on us more objectively, that we should be really welcoming and thankful to them for that and not treat them with hostility just because they disagree with us on certain issues. But I do see a lot of that. And I'm like, we should, why, why would you do this? It's just going to chase them away. But I see they do get a lot from certain people on the right. And I, I, I would rethink that because they're like, this is what we want. We don't want people to necessarily agree, everyone to have to agree with us. We just want them to, report on us and, and show us um, in a way that is objective and true. Like there's no more truth anymore. Right. And to have so, self-awareness. Yeah. So like, I'm always really thankful for that or because, because mainstream media articles that are like always just absolute hit pieces. I've been asked for so many interviews from so many of them and I've said no to every single one. And then I, I don't even find them later when they're written, but my mom does. She's like, Brit, because she always finds everything about me on the internet. And she, she'll she show them to me, and then I'll see that it's a hit piece anyway. They'll just like, make oh, up stuff. Surprise. And, yeah, and it's like, well, what would have happened? How much worse would it have been if I actually interviewed with them? And I know, and I know that this is a strategy um, because I it's got a evil. daily show request when I was at 50,000 oh subscribers. 50,000 subscribers. Yeah. That's it. I'm like, why do you want to talk to me? Is it because you looked at alternative media and you thought you looked through some people that you thought might get big and you tried to, um, you know, stop them before their channels got too big? Is that what's yeah. happening here? Why else would you want to have somebody with 50,000 subscribers yeah, on YouTube? Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and that was that was scary. That made me realize that, like, you know, we have a lot of things coming our way from mainstream media. Yeah, definitely. I think it would be a good idea if since there are so many right-wing or at least like libertarian um, YouTube channels that are really big and doing really well on YouTube right now, it'd be a good idea, maybe not this year, but at least next year for a bunch of them to go to VidCon because that's the biggest YouTube event of the year. And there is no presence really for the right or like libertarian. And and, um, yeah. and it would be a really good thing because then all of the, the people who agree with them would feel incentive to attend and it can be more of a, like a balanced thing because I just see like there's so many people on YouTube have have such big followings and could be so much more impactful doing actually showing up at certain events um but maybe like before before now people weren't ready for it but I think that now having people show up it could be a really good thing I know that uh, the Worskis and a lot, a lot of people are going this year, um, so so maybe that'll make a difference. But I feel like this corner of YouTube is still relatively small. Like I, I love the the beauty realm of YouTube. I'm always yeah. watching makeup tutorials <laughs> and stuff. But some of them have like in an hour they'll have millions of views, and yeah. I'm like, wow, hardly anybody in the political sphere is at this level of viewership. I'm, almost nobody. I mean, Philly D probably, but that that's about it. So maybe yeah. it would help if we kind of made our made our presence known. Yeah, no, you're right, though. There are certain areas of YouTube that are just massive, like the video game, oh, pretty much everything that has to do with entertainment and then beauty all yeah. across the board. They're, they're very large pockets of YouTube, for sure. Um, so I took some questions on Twitter, because we got about 20 minutes left that I wanted to address. So Stan Kanakwa, who's a friend of the show, Beauty in the Beta, um, he asked, do you think conflicts with Antifa will continue to escalate? And do you think a different leader would satisfactory to them would be satisfactory to them stay safe yeah i definitely think at this point they're escalating and they're only they seem to get worse every rally but the difference is that there's a larger police presence every time like at portland homeland security was there it was that big so 
yes, they're definitely escalating. And I, I don't necessarily know if it would have been that much different. It, it would have been a lot different, but they still might have been there. Because, like, these Antifa, most of them are, like, communists. And if Hillary had won, she wasn't advocating for communism that I was aware of. <laughs> so they still would have. Like, for example, in when I was in Europe, in Paris, on Victory Day, they had a huge march. The Antifa, Macron had just won. But Antifa was marching against government in general. So just depending. It probably wouldn't have been as bad as this. Nowhere near, actually. Like, I know we're expecting, like, a summer of rage or something, they're calling it, of, like, riots starting in July. So I think really bad things are to come, yeah. And that's why, like, in, in my most recent video, I was talking about somehow we have to reform the lines of communication because if we don't, the bubbles are just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger until they explode and, and just, you know, crap hits the fan. So, so how organized do you think Antifa is? Because at the Milo event that I went to, which is the only time I've ever interacted with them, they seemed like they didn't. They had basically no method of formal organization. I think it depends on the city. I think it depends on where the rally is. What Some about are Antifa? more organized than others. They were fairly organized, yes. But it's nowhere near the amount of organization they have in Europe. Like they have like uniforms, flags, chants, everything. Way, way more organized, way more threatening. It was insane. But here, the thing is it's it's like in Tifa, but then you have BAM, you have a lot of groups, um, Black Lives Matter. Um, uh, there's a lot of groups that are in opposition to us and that, that like to go to and protest us. So it's not just Antifa, but Antifa seems to be the ones most willing to commit acts of violence. Like there were photos the Portland police published of all the weapons that they had taken. Um, they had disarmed the Antifa. There were like knives, also like deadly weapons. So yeah, they actually they bricks at people's heads at first. That's why the police went in because bricks were coming loose from a wall um, near where the Antifa were, was and the police were you know, suspecting that they were going to start throwing bricks at people because they were throwing like used tampons and all sorts of. Oh nasty my god! Stuff. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was really. I was like scarred for life. Yes, I didn't it was know. Horrible. Disgusting. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, it's harmless. Like at least, you know, in comparison with a brick. So. <laughs> oh, god, yeah, so but Bam seems like they're fairly organized. I saw the leader um, of Bam. Her name escapes me. Do you remember uh, what her name is? Uh. I, I'm forgetting her name now. I saw her on Tucker Carlson and like yeah. um, this stuff that was coming it, out. Um, um, it's like Evelette something. Uh, Falarka. Falarka. That's yeah, something like that. that. Uh, I don't remember. Oh, yeah. God. But Boy, I was just awesome. watching in complete awe because she was straight up saying like the right, like their souls are rotten and they need to be physically destroyed. I, I was just like, yeah. holy shit. Like she has a real <laughs> agenda uh, that will use violence. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Um, it's their strategy to make us sound like the worst of the worst so that any tactics they may use against us, no matter how violent, will be justified in the eyes of people who don't know any better, who just believe what they've labeled us. So, you know, if you've been labeled a white supremacist and people believe it and you get murdered, there's probably not going to be a riot over your death because oh, yeah. was a white supremacist, you know, not, not a big deal that we lost them. You know, that's, so that's what they're doing that kind of um but yeah i think we should push back against it but I, I don't know some or use people that you know on the other side that are actually willing to communicate and communicate with them i don't know that it's actually going to work like civil war and all that might be inevitable but maybe we can slow the rot <laughs> i wonder that too is this a an inevitability i mean it would be different than other wars because millennials are not a generation prepared for any kind of 
fighting, I don't think. Yeah, some of them are. A lot of people in my circles, especially growing up, and a lot of people that I know now are. They all have guns. They all have... Yeah, but all those people are on the right. Yeah. Like, almost yeah. every gun owner I know. But, right. Yeah, and they they all have guns. They're all very well... They're very efficient with a gun. They're all survivalists, so they have food. If, if you know, their the economy crashes or something, they're going to be all set. Yeah, so. this is why I'm moving to Idaho. <laughs> oh, you are? Yeah, in a year. When? Sweet. Welcome. Yeah, I we'll visited a few small towns, my boyfriend and I. Um, this was like three months ago or so. Uh, we're like, okay, I hate Seattle, and we got to move after your deployment, and I don't mm-hmm. want to have kids here because it's crazy. So unrelated, but there, uh, the the um, elementary school here, the boys had to stand up at the public school and take a pledge not to rape. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so I was the like, absolutely like, not. I'm not them. having children in Seattle when you get back from your deployment, let's move. And so we visited some small towns and uh, I just loved Idaho. Yeah, I it's loved really, it. like there's not a whole lot going on and in, in, in regard, regarding right. someone who wants to travel a lot, like that's my main thing right now. It's it's because I've been traveling a lot lately and it's really difficult to travel from like this, the Spokane airport or Spokane, however you pronounce it. Yeah. Um, it's really hard to get flights, but that's the only thing. That's the only negative. Like, Spokane so, kind of sucks though. We, I, we drove through it and I was like, this looks yeah. a lot like some of the bad areas of Seattle. It's kind of a river town, but um, you know, once we got to other areas of Idaho, the people were like so yeah. super friendly. They're like, so they were, friendly. They like, are so friendly. Even in a store, it's crazy. Yeah. It's such a, a difference, like a, a shock from California, coming from California. And it was and, just such a, it seems like such a welcome change. And like, yeah. it was so quiet at night. And I'm like, this mm-hmm. is what I want for my kids. You know, yeah. there's a charter school that's like top yeah. notch. Perfect. I was reading the reviews of this charter school that I want to send my kids to, and all the reviews that were two stars were like lack of diversity. I was oh like, my gosh. Oh, this, is, <laughs> this is great. This is totally perfect. Um, let's take this last Twitter question. Or actually, we have two more. Um, economic or not, migrants are overflowing. What can be done about it other than closing borders and warning shots above their heads? <laughs> well, if we don't close borders, the the problem's not going to be resolved in any way like enough i i think it's as for the ones that are already there i mean if they're not contributing to society if they're on welfare or if they're extreme you know believed to be extremists in any way then it'd probably be a good idea not to have them there because it's just gonna affect the economy negatively and everything if they're not assimilating it's just going to create pockets of their culture within france germany whatever what so, is this mentality that everybody in the world has the human right to exist in any country that they want to that they just have that that's just so fucking stupid why yeah, would anybody well, believe that i can't just go like set up shop in any country i want to yeah i know exactly it's like i can't just go to japan and demand they let me in there and they or, never would be a city yeah exactly so i i don't understand where this sudden disrespect for borders and, you know, preserving a country's security and, and identity, cultural identity comes from. Right. So, and, and what I will say to that question is something that can be done other than closing borders, which is the most important thing, is for people to um, start having cultural pride and ancestral pride. Um, mm-hmm. That will build communities and, and, the, and having things that are um, shared with others, you really will build this network and this community and then you'll be stronger. So, you yeah. know, if you're proud of your culture, you're proud of your people, you're proud of your country, you're not going to want a bunch of people from the third world to flood in and destroy everything that you've worked for your whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this, uh, this guilt for our prosperity and for our race is probably... I don't know, maybe, maybe the biggest part of this yeah. problem. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> um, all right, last question, and then I'm going to close out. This is a little one. 
Um, Brittany and Rebecca, stress relief practices that either of you employ in order to continue to be in good humor. Um, I like this question because <laughs> Me too. these last few weeks I have just been like, like we're just so screwed. And so mm -hmm. I've had to develop, you know, a, a few things, but I work out a lot. Um, I do bar and ballet. And so mm -hmm. that's, that's how I, I keep calm. And then I just try to get enough sleep and not eat garbage. And I'm usually, yeah. I'm usually all right. And I don't drink alcohol. That helps too, but. Yeah, neither do I. I drink alcohol like twice a year. <laughs> I, I like I just don't really like it. I never have, but I, I drink a lot of coffee. Um, since I got home, like I was in such a good routine with exercising and everything, but then I was traveling so much. So I'm now trying to get back yeah. into that exercise. Like Epsom salt baths are amazing. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, they're so good. But then also I've I've like I'm not shy, but I've always been introverted in the sense I like isolation because that's where I get to write and do the things that I want to do. So like when I'm around people too much, I get really stressed. Like it's just I I can't do it. Like um I start to kind of like break down. So I just take alone time. And wow. Like, so how do you do this job? I'm kind of the same way, and so I'm, uh, I'm fumbling through this. But like if I don't have a certain amount of alone time, you know the the scrutiny, the public scrutiny, like really wears on me. So so how do you cope with that? Like, like the thing is, like I love people, but I just, yeah, it, it's something with my personality, so I just have to shut down. Just I just, I just don't okay. go on my Twitter or whatever like that um, because I need to be alone, and so I just stay. My my family really respects it because most of the people in my family are the same, um, <laughs> even more so than me. Some of them, so it's awesome. We have like a really good. Um, uh, system going in my house and I love it so yeah I just stay by myself I write um, and I love music listen to music all the time um, yeah exercise stuff like that but that's kind of how I like decompress because uh, yeah being around people so much I think that's why I chose writing initially because it's a very solitary occupation and it's just what I prefer and so I I think I can do it pretty well as long as I have a couple days here and there where I can just vanish from the face of the earth maybe this is a perfect job because you get that human interaction but it really is yeah. under your control because you can mm -hmm. just shut off and also because they're like such amazing people you know it's not like people yeah. where you have to like hide what you think from and um and they're also very welcoming like i've always felt like since i first spoke out i was super welcomed by most people and so that's been really helpful oh people have been awesome like uh, mm -hmm. lana from red eyes has been especially helpful you know like right yeah, when she's I such a sweetheart and she's been so great and I, yeah, I'll message her about things in my life and, and so it's just like right away because you're expressing these views and because you're going to be alienated from other communities people on the right they know that and they'll, they'll welcome you and they'll make sure that you're taken care of so yeah it's awesome I'm so thankful for it me too um I'm going to read these super chats and then we can uh wrap up we've got five dollars from liberative friend of the show also let's get this started both of you um, give hope to many with your rational and realistic take on contemporary Western civilization. Thank you so much. Uh, $5 from Coco for Kosh. Thank you very much for that. And $5 from B22, BT2. Um, you white people are doomed. Only only cloning technology will help you <laughs> fools populate enough to survive. Um, I am working on that, okay? I When my boyfriend gets back, we'll wait back. Okay. Um, AR7271, $2. Less identity politics and more problem solving, please. Jeez, some sad sallies. Um, Stan Kanopka, $2. Try not to lose faith. You give me hope for the future. 
and Sven Servette, $2, Philly D for Beauty and the Beta. We will try, but that is never going to happen because you're too <laughs> big now. So do you want to tell people where they can find you? Sure, yeah. The best place is my Twitter. It's at Brit Pettibone or my YouTube channel, uh, which is Brittany Pettibone. And I'm starting to make a lot more videos on there now. It's not just interviews. I'm making videos on my own. So if you're interested in that, then yeah, th those are the two best places. And and bo on both those platforms, they have links to, to everywhere else that I may be found. Awesome. Well, thank you yeah. so much for chatting with me for the hour and I will see you soon. Yeah.